All right, and good morning to you. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Are y'all glad to be here? Well, let me just tell you what I, everyone, yeah, come on, I'm sorry. Go ahead, applaud the Lord Jesus. Every once in a while, I sneak over there, and I go stand against that wall or walk there, and I just listen and watch you guys worship, watch the team on the stage, and it's just kind of cool. So yes, you do it sometime. Just wander back there and take a look during the worship time, and it's just pretty amazing. I'm so grateful uh, to be here with you, so grateful to be a part of the church, and so grateful for our team. They just do a wonderful job. As I listen again, every week I say this just about, but you know, Trey and I talk a little bit during the, during the week, but he just does a masterful job of picking the songs. You know, I am a child of God. You're going to hear that over. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to hear that over and over again. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And today's message, well, you know, I think it's mainly for, for those of us who might wrestle with self-image and uh, affirmation, who struggle with, you know, who we are. Uh, it's, it's definitely there, and you'll hear that in just a moment. Maybe for some of y'all that, that like to put sticky labels on people. Um, yeah, so, so hang on, listen in. I think there's something for everyone today as we're in the, what, the third week of our message, The Greatest Showman Reimagined. Now, The Greatest Showman was a movie that came out in 2017 about P.T. Barnum and how he developed and made the circus world and um, how he chose these misfit people and brought them together and made a really wonderful show. And the music in this, in case you're wondering, the music is just incredible, especially the song today. I'll explain that in just a moment. But we're reimagining that. You know, Barnum was somewhat of a con man and shyster, and uh, so we're going to reimagine it because we want to just bring some of his imagery uh, into this, this arena as we talk about God. Uh, because, again, it's just the greatest show, no doubt about it, but also how he impacts um, our lives. Our verse has been Isaiah 43, 18b and 19, but forget all that, God says, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I'm about to do something new. And perhaps you're carrying some luggage today. Perhaps you're carrying some of that label things we're going to talk about today. I Listen to God's word. He says, look, forget about all that, because I am about to do something new. Well, the song was entitled, uh, This Is Me, um, in the movie. There, as he goes out and picks these different people, um, you know, and he affirms them from the get-go. I love that. He affirms them, but he finds this lady, and she's been cursed with a beard. And, uh, I mean, she has heavy facial hair. And uh, so everywhere she went, she was put down, she was made fun of, um, and all of that. And so it, that continues through the movie. And then finally, about three-fourths way through the movie, she just declares, you know, this is me, um, this is who I am. I wanted to read the words to you, because I know it's sometimes in the music it's hard to hear them. These are powerful words. That's why I wanted to do this series. The, the, the words of this are almost spiritual, almost spiritual. This, listen to this. I am not a stranger to the dark, she says. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. Doesn't that sound like the world sometimes? Doesn't it sound like even our friends and, and family sometimes? We don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. Oh, boy. Felt that before? No one will love you. Get better, they say, and we'll love you. Um, change and we'll love you. And we often, we want to attribute that to God and say, God will only take me if I get better. God will only take me if, if, I, if I do things right. No, no. He says, come as you are. Come as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust, she says. I know that there's a place for us 
for we are glorious. We are glorious. Man, when, when uh, Jay read 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you know, that we are God's masterpiece, that we are God's masterpiece, how amazing is that? When the sharpest words, when the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Aren't those wonderfully powerful words? And then you throw the, 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 the gospel Jesus all over that, and it becomes even more powerful and more wonderful. You know, Psalm 139, 13, 14 says, For it was you, the psalm speaking to God, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, the psalmist says, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. If you're one of those folks that, again, have worn too many labels in your life, and you're beat down and you're bruised, I want to encourage you today. And I want to encourage you if you're a sticky person, sticky note person, and you like sticking labels on people, I want to encourage you to let that go um, out of your life. Well, the younger crowd won't know this person at all. Some of the older people will. Her name was Ethel Waters. She was a wonderful actress and singer. Uh, she was African-American, and she was credited for a number of firsts. The first African-American woman um, to be uh, either, I couldn't remember if she was awarded or nominated. I think she was awarded a, um, an Academy Award. A wonderful woman. So I'm reading her, her thing. I, I'd known her, uh, just part of my music deal. I, I, I know a lot of the older folks. And she was born a long time ago and died a long time ago. Um, but anyway, and so, so here she is, and I'm reading her biography, and then I read these words. Married, such and such, divorced. Married, such and such, divorced. Married, such and such, and divorced. And doggone it, if I didn't kind of say, well, gee, what was wrong with her? And what, you know, label, label, label. You know, why, why couldn't she stay married? What was it about her that three husbands found undesirable? What's the deal here? Label, label, label. Well, I happened to see on the uh, Wikipedia page a little advertisement for her singing. And so I said, well, I'm going to click on that and go there. So I clicked on it. And it happened to be um, 1975. It was a Billy Graham crusade. And Billy Graham had asked her to sing. And she was going to sing His Eyes on the Sparrow. And so she stands up there and zillions of people. Back in those days, the crusades were just huge. And she stands there and she says, It's such a privilege for me to be here today. She said it was 18 years ago, and that would be, I did the math, 1957, that she said, I was invited to sing at the Madison Square Garden, and I was a 380-pound old woman. That was in 1957, 18 years now ahead. And it was very obvious, while she wasn't slender, she had lost a ton of weight. But here's what's important. It was that year, in fact, she said that this month to the year that I rededicated my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, I want to tell you that God in that rededication radically changed 
my life. He turned me around. And the quote, the quote that I use this morning is this, is, I am somebody because God don't make no junk. Well, now, her grammar's off just a hair, but let me just tell you two things. One, she can flat sing or could flat sing, but secondly, she's 100% right. Now, I want you to look at me. God, I don't know where you are, but God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. You need to know that. You need to hear that, and you need to believe exactly that. Because again, there are so many people, we've all, we've all had the sticky note stuck on us by our, our circumstances, by our family, by our friends, telling us what's wrong and where we're wrong and all of that. We've all experienced that. It's just that some handle it better. Some have a thicker skin. Some, some are a little bit tougher. But all of us have felt the wounds of labels that people have stuck on us. And I just want you to know that there's a God who doesn't assign those kind of labels. There's a God who loves you. I love when we were singing, I am a, I wanted to go, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Hey, Satan, you're wrong. I am a child of God. Hey, sister, hey, brother, you're wrong. I am a child of God. Hey, husband, I am a child of God. Hey, wife, I am a child of God. Hey, parents who don't, you know, just don't think, all I am is a mistake to them and a burden to them. I am a child of God. That's what I am. But it's just not that easy, is it? There's a quote by Rachel Held Evans, and she was just a Bible teacher. But the quote is so powerful. We all long. There's a longing in our hearts. We all long for someone to tell us who we are. Not that we're lost, but that we matter. That we have purpose. That we are significant who we are. We long for that. The great struggle of the Christian life is to, I love this, own God's name for us. See, the problem is, even if we often know, who are we? What's my identity? Hey, God, what's my identity? Oh, you're my child. You are a child of God. And even though we know that, we don't own that. We don't believe that because we've been pounded, okay, by other voices. See, this voice cries out and says, hey, you're a child of God, but there's a thousand voices shouting at us that we're less than, that we need to fix this or fix that. And we're left... There, even though God is whispering in our ear, you're my child, you're my child, you're valuable. We don't know how valuable you are. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You don't know how valuable you are. You are so valuable that God thought it a good investment to send his son to a Roman cross to die for us, for our sins, so that we could call him father. That's how valuable you are. And yes, it's true. If you'd have been the only one, God would have done exactly that. The great struggle, though, of the Christian life is to own that, to believe that. We also have struggled to believe we are beloved, beloved of God. And His love is so great because it's not, it's not conditional. It's not, on my good days, He loves me. On my bad days, He doesn't. 
He never wants to keep me to side. I'm never the leftover Slurpee cup in the car, and I illegally roll the window down and toss it out the window. We're not some litter beside the road. You know, we are loved, listen, 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 we are loved by God unconditionally, and that will never, never change. So, so yes, a struggle to own God's name for us, to believe we are beloved, and to believe that is enough. To the wife here who never senses love from her husband, God loves you. Let that try, 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 try to let that be enough. To the husband who longs for his wife to believe in him, that he's more than a failure. Try to believe that God loves you and that's enough. To, to you students whose mom and dad, you just can't seem to get it right. No matter how many A's you make, no matter how what you do right, mom and dad just let you know that you're more of an inconvenience than you are a treasure. Know this, know this, that you are beloved. Let that be, let that be enough. Our intro, our teaching point, I tried to throw some labels up there. And again, for some of us, these are real sensitive things. For those, you don't understand, but, but you know, to trash, trash. Perhaps you were raised in a very poor part, and somebody had the audacity to say, you're nothing but white trash. Now, that's a good southern word, and boy, that, that's about as low as you can get. White trash, a rejected, never accepted. Never said, not by mom and dad, not by your family, not by the workforce, never appreciated, rejected, unworthy, unworthy. You see yourself as short of everything. You're just so unworthy. And you figured out if the job doesn't want you and society doesn't want you and culture doesn't want you and family doesn't want you, how in the world could God ever want you? Because he's amazing and he doesn't count you unworthy. He counts you as worthy, unclean. Unclean. Oh, we're good at this. Lord, have mercy if a Christian commits a big sin. A big sin. We all believe in that grace until we have to apply it in somebody's life. You know, one of the things that they do at, at, at the uh, New Orleans trip, and I get it why they do it, but I'm so glad it's not really true. You know, you know they, to, to make the point that people are sinners, you know, they'll say this. They say, have you ever told a lie? And, of course, the person says, yes, generally speaking. What does that make you? A liar? A liar? That bothers me. And the reason it bothers me is because that's just not a label that God would stick on someone. They would say, he would say, you've sinned and you've lied, but God's not, not one to stick labels on. Adulterer. He didn't, he didn't look at the woman taking adultery and say, you're nothing but an adulterer. He simply said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Unclean mistake, like I mentioned. It breaks my heart to even think this, but sometimes parents will be discussing the finances and they'll think the fourth child is listening um, in, the, in the kitchen and they can hear everything mom and dad is saying. They're struggling with the bills. And say, I'm telling you, if we'd just been more careful with the birth control, we wouldn't be in this situation. We just didn't need the fourth child. And your heart's broken. There's a knife sticking in your heart. So broken. A mistake. Well, just remember this. They're just labels. They're just labels. Dwayne, have you ever had labels? Oh, yeah. Do I give my top five? Sure, I'll be glad to. Number one of my favorite memories in my past as a pastor is, you're nothing but a Hitler. 
Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Then she followed it up with a dictator. You have nothing but a cult down at that church. Thank you so much. I'm very much encouraged with all of that. Um, and, then, and then someone said, um, oh, you're, you're a clown. Oh, when you stand up and preach, you're nothing but a clown. Oh, that was encouraging. Thank you very much. We appreciate that so much. Oh, and then, and then you're a coward. You didn't have the courage to stand up, preacher. You didn't have the courage. Boy, during COVID, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I was called everything in the world that wasn't a cuss word, and I'm sure coward was somewhere in that mix. And by the way, I'm not alone. We went to this conference, and they talked about it, how COVID was one of the hardest things, uh, hardest times to be a pastor. My, my favorite, most painful one is, um, you may or may not know, but you're fixed to know now, uh, that your pastor does not have a seminary degree. And so, you know, I'd go to these pastors' conference, and you sit down and you talk, you know. And they ask things like, you know, number one, these are questions like, well, how big is your church? Because the chances are theirs is bigger, you know. How big is your church? But the favorite ones, and where did you graduate from seminary? So I'd say, well, um, I didn't go to seminary. And a guy said it, sure as, sure as I'm standing here, he goes, oh. Well, you're just a shade tree preacher then. Just a stab in the heart. Just a stab in the heart. So do I know about labels? Yeah, I know about labels. And you do too, don't you? You know, I was, gosh, I was watching Big Jake, the John Wayne movie. Any John Wayne fans here? Anybody seen Big Jake? Yeah, well, well, they're trying to get, he's trying to get his grandson back from a bunch of of thieves and robbers, and there's this one guy who's pretty large. He's the meanest one in a snake. He is meaner than a snake. He likes to chop people up with a machete. He's mean. And so, so John Wayne's sitting there on his horse, you know, and, and here's the leader over here, and there's a guy in the shadows over here. And John Wayne said, John Wayne said, Hey, you fatty, get out of that shadow. And when he said fatty, all over me. Because all my life I've wrestled with weight. I'm the only guy in, in the church that people feel like they have the right to walk up and go, pat my tummy. Let me know, oh, did you gain a couple pounds this week? Oh, are you fat this week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep your hands off my tummy. It's mine. I won't pat yours and you don't pat mine and we'll be all right. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so yeah, I know, I know all about labels. I know all about labels. But here's the deal. You've got to remember what Ethel said. God doesn't make junk, and he doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're not junk. You're not junk. You are a child of God as you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. So today we're going to learn that being who God made you, I am a child of God, being who God made you to be is exactly who you should be. You should find your niche that God has made you and be exactly that. I loved it. We were at, we were at a conference, and we are talking about, um, no, no, it was right here on Wednesday night, Lloyd. Lloyd had just done a great job teaching. He kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and as Josh Harrison said to him, uh, I only have one problem with your teaching. He said, you did a great job. Quit apologizing. And that was a great message you just brought. And we need to quit apologize. Is that good, Lloyd, that we mentioned that without your permission? Yeah, he'll, you can beat me up after church, okay? But here, listen, listen, listen. We've got to quit apologizing for who we are because we are children of God. 
We're different, but we're all that know Jesus. We're all children of God. Now, this whole thing started with a guy named Paul. Now, we know, y'all know Paul, don't you? Paul in the Bible, okay? You know, Paul, Paul was a great guy. I mean, he wrote like three-fourths of the Bible. I mean, he's, he's a super guy. But you know, Paul had some wrestlings. He had some wrestlings. See, before Paul loved Jesus, before he was a Jesus lover, he was a Jesus hater. Oh, and before he loved the church, he hated the church. So he would go around, he would get letters and permissions, and he would go to different towns, different, different synagogues. The Christians would go to church, even though it was the synagogue. He would have them arrested. Sometimes they were put in prison, and sometimes they were killed. That was Paul's life before Jesus. And it really was a problem because he would go in town. People would go, yeah, I remember that guy. I remember you. They would pat his tummy. <laughs> we remember that. We remember that. That's who Paul was. And Paul wrestled with The great apostle Paul wrestled with that. In, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, in verse number 9, okay, here's what he says. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. Now, that's true in one sense, okay, in, in this sense. You know, there were the first 12, okay, and then we all know about Judas, so he's out, and that left 11, and they elected uh, Matthias later, and he became the new number 12, okay, and then, and then Paul became number 13. Okay, so when he's saying I'm the least of the apostles, he's giving you a listen, I'm way down the pecking order, okay? I was way down. You know, there wasn't even a slot, so they, <laughs> there, there wasn't a slot on the team for me, so they just added a slot. That's Paul. I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle. So he wrestled with I was the least, but he also wrestled with I'm not worthy. I wasn't worthy. And by the way, like the Corinthian church was one that let him know he was not worthy, Okay? Let him know that he was not worthy. But I wasn't worthy because I persecuted the church of God. Some of them just, some just couldn't get over Paul's past sin. Does that ring a bell? Who is it that you know that you're holding their past sin against them? What has your child done, parent, that you hold their past sin? Who in this congregation has been to prison or done this or done that? And you're holding that. Yeah, you say, oh, yeah, we're grateful for God's grace. But in your mind, you're going, yeah, but you, but you, but you. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had a problem. People had a problem with Paul because he was a church persecutor. He had a past. But look what he says next. He says in verse number 10a, he says, But by the grace of God, oh, by the grace of God, God's unmerited favor, warts and all, by God's unmerited favor, I am what I am. Now look at me. As a child of God, I want you to understand something. By God's grace, you are what you are. If, if God wanted to make you taller, you'd have been taller. If God wants you to have hair, you would have a head of hair. If God wants you to be able to sing, you could sing. If God wants you to be in the ministry, he would have called you. But here's the deal. By the grace of God, you are what you are. We are to be content and satisfied with that. Content and satisfied. Say this with me. By the grace of God. I am what I am. 
Now, I'm going to say it again. I want you to say it again. I want you to believe it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what God says about you. That's what Paul said. Paul wrote in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen, by God's grace, you are what you are. And I want you, I want you to know something. God's totally okay with that. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make junk. He doesn't make trash. You are exactly what God wanted you to be. Accept that and embrace that great truth because it's so wonderful. So what's our teaching point? Well, our teaching point is this. Satan's label is a lie. So he's number one label maker, okay? He loves to throw out labels for you so that you'll think less. One, it'll paralyze you, but two, to think less of who you are. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, uh, there's several things. Number one, you know, Jesus said, you know, that in, in, when it comes to the devil, there's no truth in him. You know, I've often say, you know, he couldn't spell truth. There's no truth in him. Okay? Um, he also, he also um, his, it's his native tongue. Lying is his native tongue. Okay? In fact, he goes on, Jesus says, and he's the father of lies. So knowing those three things, okay, are you really going to believe what he says about you? If Jesus says he's the father of lies, is his native tongue, he couldn't spell truth if it walked up to him, wouldn't recognize truth if it walked up to him. Are you going to believe what he says? See, see we often, y'all hear voices. It's okay if you do, because I do. You know, sometimes God speaks to my heart. But very often, God, or excuse me, Satan speaks to my ear. You should have studied more. You should have done this. You should have done, hey, Dwayne. You're a failure, and guess what? You'll always be a failure. The Bible says, hey, what it wants to about you, but you're a failure, you're always a failure. And he whispers this junk into our ears. Now, here's the problem. Again, often, often labels, you know, Satan and the, and the labels, we're going to talk about the, the sticky note people, you know, they shout into our lives, you are, you were, you are, you were, you did. And it's hard to listen. Shh. A child of God. Dwayne, you're my child. That's who you are. But because it's a whisper, we often don't hear what he's saying to us. Well, loud and clear, I want you to hear. If you know Jesus, you are a child of God. And if you don't know Jesus, he really wants you to. He wants to welcome you into the family. So Satan's label is a liar. And, and so are all the other hurtful ones that people stick on us. You know, people walk around sometimes, there's just some people with the, with the spiritual gift of labels and criticism. And, and they love to pull the little sticky note out and say, you're too fat and stick the note on you. Or, or you, you, you cheat on your wife 25 years ago, stick that label on you. And they walk around sticking labels on people. You don't have that right. You don't have that right. In fact, you remember what Jesus said? Come on. Jesus said, oh, by the way, um, the world will know that you're my followers by your love. Really? For one another. Oh. So it's really hard for that to be true when we're walking around sticky-noting people to death. Now, listen, you need to judge into God. 
You know, leave the judging to God. Let God handle that portion of it. Our job, our job is to love one another. Somebody say amen. That's what the church is all about. We are a body of believers in Jesus Christ. God has not called you or anybody else to be critical and hurtful to another believer in Jesus Christ. Leave that to God. If there's something that needs to be corrected, let God correct it. It's not your job. Well, he, time change does weird things, don't it? All right? Satan's label is a lie, and so are the other hurtful ones that people stick on us. You are what God says you are. And what does God say you are? I am a child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. And nothing is ever going to change that. I, I threw this one in for, for some of us. You know, Christian rapper Lecrae. Lecrae. Now, I had to put the word rapper in there. Because I know, I know, I know. You go, Christian rapper. That don't go together. You know, you kind of like, you know, you just, no, uh, no, and no. You can't be a rapper and you can't be a Christian. That's just not true. <laughs> No, he's a great, listen, he, I, don't, I don't particularly like rap music, but man, man raps some good Christian stuff. He raps some good Christian doctrine. He really does, okay? But what he says here is huge. He says, you know, Christian rapper Lecrae says, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Is that not good? So don't, I'm preaching to the choir because I do this. If, if don't live for people's acceptance, okay? It's only one that matters. And that would be God. That would be God. So it's just important. It's just important. That's where we have to be. So we're going to start now. And uh, we only have five minutes. I had seven minutes in first service when I got to this point. I did worse second service. All right. But hey, hey, in Mark chapter 5, okay, I'm just going to tell you the story. How about that? I'll just tell you the story so that we can get out on time. Okay, so here's the deal. So Jesus had been invited, you know, somebody came and said, hey, my child is sick, will you come and heal him? And so as he went to their house, a whole gaggle of people um, followed him, okay? So they're all following, and the Bible says that in this gaggle of people, this crowd is a woman, more than one. But this particular woman, in verse number 25, it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. So for 12 years, she had been ill and sick. I, I put it this way. It was a very personal illness that made public. I'll let you figure out the bleeding situation. But she was unclean, unwanted. By Mosaic law, she was not welcome to church. So for 12 years... She suffered with this. And it had public ramifications. Can you imagine that? Having an illness and everybody going, Hey, do you know about her? Do, do you know about her? You, know, you, you, you don't need to be here because you've got that. Okay? That's, that's what was going on. So our teaching point says this. You know, for 4,380 days, she woke up every day. She woke up every day. She woke up every day in physical pain. Her body was literally being drained by this constant loss of blood, anemia, and physical pain was a part of her life. She was in emotional rejection. Nobody wanted her. Nobody ever feel that way? Nobody wants me? Or, or, or how about this? Spiritual, I mean, gosh, they wouldn't invite her to church. I mean, she just wasn't welcome. 
So here she was for, for those 4,380 days, like, you know, in physical agony. You know, she was, she was in an emotional rejection, and even the church didn't want her. Even the church didn't want her. And so she goes to doctors after doctor after doctor, okay, trying to find some kind of a cure. She was so desperate, she would try anything to get something. And the Bible simply says that she spent everything she had to try to get cured. And nothing worked. And nothing worked. She was, she was so very desperate. Our teaching point after that says, for those same 4,380 days, she endured the world's cure. And we got to be careful. Can I be honest? We got to remember we're the church. Whoever walks through that door, they probably need a cure. And we need to give them the cure. We got to love them, first off, but we got to give them the cure. And the cure is Jesus. It's not our religion, it's not being Baptist, it's Jesus. And when they walk in, well, I'm, I'm, we. When they walk in, we don't just accept them. We embrace them. We love them. Why would we do that? Because Jesus did and Jesus would. I mean, you got to remember now where, you know, the, the societal issues of Jesus. I mean, the churchy people are always going, why does he eat with sinners? Why do you, hey, hey, you 12, you follow him. Why do you guys like to hang around sinners? That's what the religious people said. You know what Jesus said? Oh, now wait. The well don't need a doctor. The sick does. And I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That which was lost. Yeah, so anyway, they did that. Well, she heard about Jesus, um, sneaks into the crowd, risky, 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 I mean, she was, these were people that we don't want you here, don't want you here, don't want you here. She wormed her way into the crowd, and she, and she wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. The hem of Jesus' robe. And, and she's able um, to do that. And here's, here's why. She said, you know what? I believe. Somebody say, I believe. Yeah, I believe. I believe, I believe if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. Whoa, what faith? I believe. If I just... See, she had desperate faith. If I could just touch the hem of his robe, I would be healed. Well, she did. And the Bible says in verse 29 that immediately, immediately, the bleeding stopped. What, what, 12 years. Somebody say 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. In other words, hey guys, we're talking about we're talking about first grade to twelfth grade. First grade to twelfth grade, okay? For 12 years, all the doctors, all the doctors could do nothing but take her money, take her money, take her money, take her money. And she by faith touches the hem of Jesus' garment, his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel it. She couldn't explain it. She didn't know what happened. Okay, but she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Well, so Jesus senses and that somebody had touched him. And uh, now you understand this is more like then because you know, the disciples fixing to go, Jesus, are you serious? There are like 9,000 people here touching you. Because he said, somebody touched my robe. 
Who was it? Somebody did. And what he was saying was they touched the robe in faith. He could feel healing power go out of himself. So he knew someone had reached out and touched in faith. Well, he, kept, he wouldn't let it go, so he kept looking. I mean, just looking. And so finally the woman comes forward. She's trembling. She's shaking. And she explains, it was me. I touched your robe. And I'm healed. Wow. And what Jesus says in verse number 34 is so, just take a moment and read it. It's so full. Now, for 12 years, she had been called unclean, unfit, unwanted, you name it, the church, society, the culture, nobody wanted her. Nobody wanted her. And what does Jesus say? And he said to her, daughter, let that wash over you. In a a society where nobody, get away from here, you're unclean, you're not welcome. Jesus says, Look at me. Today, if you have not known Christ to this point, and you live in a mindset of nobody wants me, no one cares, that I've been told I'm a failure, I've been told I'm a mistake, I've been told I don't matter, well, God today wants to call you son. God wants to call you daughter. God wants to call you my child. Isn't that amazing? And see, and see, and see, all them other labels don't matter. When God in His marvelous and wonderful grace extends that grace down to you and changes your life and calls you son and calls you daughter, all the rest of the labels don't matter. They all go by the wayside. Daughter. And then He makes it clear. Your faith has made you well. I love that. Because you know what we would do, don't you? We would, we would yeah. <laughs> we would pull that robe off of Jesus so fast it'd make your head spin. We'd cut it up in 2,000 little pieces and do a mail-in campaign. That says, that's right, folks. You can get a piece of Jesus' robe and be healed instantly. Just send us your $500 and you can have a piece of the robe. Jesus wants to be sure that you understand it wasn't the robe. It was her faith. And today... You don't need religion. We won't sell you a piece of our religion or our denomination. But we want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he says this, go in peace. Wow. Go in peace. She had known peace for 12 years. Joe, she hadn't known peace for 12 years. All she knew was agony, rejection, pain, hurt, suffering. And then Jesus makes this simple statement. Hey, hey, it ends. Oh, gosh. It ends today. It's over. Go in peace. You didn't have, you haven't had peace for 12 years. You have it now because I've given it to you. Look at that last four words. Your suffering is over. I want you to know this. When we, this is true for us. When we choose one Jesus, we got that part. 
But two, when we choose to believe, when we choose to own the name that God gives us, the suffering's over. All that agony you've had in your brain, you know, again, if you're not a, I need people to accept me person, you probably don't get this, but you know, it's really important to people like me. And when I understand, wait, whoa, 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 God, God accepts me. It doesn't matter if y'all do. God does. And it's true for you. Hey, you know when you're in high school and you're not one of the cool kids, you know, and everybody else is cool but you? Yeah, guess what? God thinks you're cool. That's a good place to say, man. God thinks you're cool. Yeah. God thinks you're great. God's keen on you. God loves you. So here's the deal. Here's the big tie-in, the big bro. Okay, you know, she assuming it goes on her way. She's different from that point forward. But here's the big bow. Number one. Number one is this. You know, if you've wrestled with labels all your life, quit listening. The devil's a liar and the rest of them don't matter. The devil's a liar and the rest of them don't matter. Only it matters is who? God. And what does God say? You are, say it with me, you are a child of of God. That's who you are if you've trusted Jesus. And nothing can, your performance can't change that. Your failure can't change that. Your success can't change that. You are a child of God. So that's number one. Number two, if you're a sticky note person, you know, we were driving and I told you the sticky note idea. And she said, well, you know why we put sticky notes on people, don't you? I said, why? And she said, because it makes us feel better about ourselves. My mama, did I tell you, I know I've told you this like nine times over 24 years. My mama was like me. She wasn't extremely large, but she did wrestle with her weight. And I'll never forget, we're walking in Roosevelt Mall. Roosevelt Mall. We're walking along, and this lady walked by, and she was definitely heavier than mama. And you know what my mama said? I'm not as fat as she is. Never forgot that. I was probably nine years old. I ne- but that's why we stick labels on people. It makes us feel better about ourselves. If I can make you less than, it seemingly makes me bigger and better. Okay? So, so let's, let's just make a covenant. We're going to sell our stock in the sticky note business, and we're just going to love people. We'll leave the judging and the, all that to God, and we're just going to love people. And the third thing is this. If you're here, if you're here, and, and, and you, you know, you've heard loud and clear from church before, you're just not wanted here. You've got too many tattoos, too many piercings, and too big of a past. Well, guess what? No. You're welcome here. And now you're welcome here, you're welcome to the family of God. God loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a deal. What a deal. Let's pray together. This is our decision time, and the team's going to come up and leave us in a great rendition of Just As I Am, and boy, is it good. And that's how God wants you to come. God doesn't say, get it better, fix it, and then come. He just invites you to come, just as you are, just as you are. So this is our decision time. Brent's going to be standing down front here waiting on you to come. And if you want somebody to pray with you, we, can, we want to do that. Um, if you want somebody to counsel with you, we'll try to do that at the altar, and we surely invite you to come by the office this week if, if that's something. If you want to know more about Jesus, we can definitely tell you more about him. Or maybe you just want to come and leave the labels at the altar. Maybe you want to just come 
and leave labels or the sticky notes at the altar. At the altar. God, this is your time. Thank you so much for letting me preach today. For me, God, I needed this truth as much as any person in the room. Now, help me to own it. Help me not just preach it and forget it. Help me to own it in my own life. Father, that's the only way my scars are ever going to be healed. So we pray for that. I pray, Father, for my friends who may not know Jesus, that today would be that day that they come home. This is your time. And we come, we come just as we are. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.